Whether you're moving in together for the first time. This can be your closet. Or you're a new parent to a little fur baby. Viva paper towels can help you maintain a clean home. They're two times more durable when wet compared to the leading value brand. So they clean like cloth, helping you pick up after your new pet in your new home. For an exceptional cloth-like clean, use Viva Towels. Visit vivatowels.com to learn more and start fresh with a clean feeling of home. And you're on right now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo 50 Radio Network. Bringing you the news behind the news, the story behind the story. Hoping to convince you that reality is usually scoffed at, and conventional wisdom is often just an illusion. We're live on iHeartRadio and on demand on your favorite podcast directories. And you can follow me on Twitter at right now, Jim Dawes. Or you can shoot me an email. The address is rightnowjimdaws at gmail.com. Or you can call the vent line and leave your rants at 772-245-0750. That's 772-245-0750. The contrast between these two campaigns is is really um, bewildering. Donald Trump, let's let's take a look at Donald Trump's day compared to Joe Biden's day. Now, Joe Biden had a pretty busy day yesterday in in Joe in in Joe Biden campaign days. Trump had uh, you know a kind of a usual day. He began the the day by uh, appearing on Fox and Friends, answered some pretty difficult questions from the uh, the crew from the comfy couch. Then he uh, he met with the leaders of the United Arab Emirates in Bahrain and Israel at the White House and signed a historic Middle East peace deal. Then he jetted off to uh, Philadelphia where he had a, a, a town hall. He sat down for a town hall on ABC News with George Stephanopoulos. That was a, a, a real hit piece, but the president held his own. If you look on CNN or MSNBC, they'll try to pretend that he had an awful appearance. Uh, I guess in their eyes, maybe he did because he didn't. He didn't mouth the um, left-wing platitudes that they wanted to hear. But uh, for any any independent or Republican, it uh, it turned out pretty well. And then the president went out on the town and uh, enjoyed some cheesesteaks, some Philly cheesesteaks. <laughs> so. You sign a Mideast peace deal that should, but will not, earn him the Nobel Peace Prize. And, you know, when they don't award the president the Nobel Peace Prize for establishing um, a movement of peace in the Middle East. Now, you know, you had a lot of the left-wing pundits saying, well, you know, it's just the United Arab Emirates and it's just Bahrain. They don't count for anything. Big deal. They're signing, uh, signing a peace agreement with Israel. The thing is there are Arab nations who have had a blood feud with Israel since Israel's founding. And by starting to crack the wall over there, he is, he is making it acceptable 
for the other uh, Middle East nations, Arab nations, to sign on to a peace deal as well. And that will ultimately end to the benefit of the Palestinians too because it will force them to stop being so intractable in their negotiations with Israel. So this is the first movement toward peace in the Middle East since, is it, I guess, since Jimmy Carter signed the peace deal between Israel and Egypt or negotiated the peace deal between Israel and Egypt. But then he won't get the Nobel Prize because it's just unacceptable for for the uh, Nobel Prize committee to award it to Trump. I, I don't care if he had uh, brought peace on earth, goodwill to man. He would have never gotten that Nobel Peace Prize. And it's going to be just as shameful and embarrassing for them as when they did give Barack Obama the Nobel Peace Prize for doing absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. Trump will be denied the peace prize for a historic peace agreement in the Middle East, the most war-torn region on this planet. And Barack Obama got one for showing up. And then um, when you look at Joe Biden's day, in contrast, after the day before yesterday, uh, lecturing us about climate change and saying that the world was literally going to come to an end because of fossil fuels. He jumped on a, uh, a private jet and jetted off to Tampa where he had a, a low energy gaff filled, um, uh, town hall, I guess it was, conference with uh, Latino voters. It was actually in Kissimmee, Kissimmee, Florida. And uh, man, there were no Biden supporters in evidence along the route or at the airport. The event itself was very low energy and, you know, filled with uh, typical Biden gas. As a matter of fact, when he did land in Tampa, he was greeted not by Biden supporters, but by Trump supporters who had lined the streets, waving uh, Make America Great Again signs and, and basically uh, welcoming him to to the reality that Florida is not really in play. Don't listen to the media pundits. I can tell you that Florida is going to go for Trump in a big way. They keep saying, well, the new Puerto Ricans that have arrived after the hurricane are going to push Biden over the top. I can promise you those people who left Puerto Rico because of the incompetent and uh, corrupt Democrat government in Puerto Rico are not going to come to Florida and do the same and vote for the same thing, at least not in big numbers. Yeah, there will be, you know, a minority of them that do, but I believe the Puerto Rican vote is going to go for Trump. They're not going to come to Florida and uh, and screw it up just the same way that Puerto Rico was screwed up. The type of voters that would have gone to Biden are, uh, are still hunkered down on Puerto Rico waiting for the government to bail them out. <laughs> Here's an example of uh, Joe Biden at his town hall yesterday. Uh, one of the more coherent and 
uh, thoughtful things he said. Because if you could take care, if you were a quartermaster, you can sure and help take care of running a, you know, a department store uh, thing, you know, where in the second floor of the ladies' department or whatever. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Jesus. If you're a quartermaster in the United States military, you can certainly run the ladies' department on the second floor or whatever. You know what I mean? Mm. Inspiring words from the Democrat presidential candidate. This is, uh, I, I, I think this is actually a clip from last week. Yesterday we played you a clip that showed Kamala Harris uh, saying that it was going to be, um, well, I'll go ahead and play it for you, a Harris-Biden administration. Harris administration together with Joe Biden. <laughs> a Harris administration together with Joe Biden. <laughs> Well, guess what? Now, Joe Biden is all on board. Harris-Biden administration is going to relaunch that effort and keep pushing further to make it easier for military. (laughs) So both of them are now calling it a Harris-Biden administration. And that's because it is going to be a Harris-Biden administration. Uh, I don't know if they're putting this out there just to, you know, as a so-called dog whistle to all of their supporters uh, to calm down. You know, Joe Biden is just going to be sitting in the chair. He's not going to actually be making the decisions. But now in, in one week's time, we have Harris and Biden on the record calling it a Harris-Biden administration. And one thing I'd like to ask is if, if Kamala is actually going to be the one calling the shots and making the decisions, could we just go ahead and have her debate Donald Trump? You know, I know it would be incredibly interesting if, and that's a big if, Joe Biden debates Donald Trump. But it's not going to let the voters have any more information because Joe Biden is not going to be making the decisions in the Biden administration Kamala Harris will have a, a group of left-wingers in there huddled up telling Joe Biden what he's going to sign and what he's not going to sign. The Babylon Bee is having a tough time keeping his head above water because uh, no, no sooner do they make a, a satire post than it becomes reality. Yesterday, they put put together a post that uh, says, CNN criticizes Israel, Arab leaders for shaking hands in the middle of a pandemic. Talking about the peace deal at the White House. And it was just a few minutes later that CNN, Jake Tapper, fake Jake, jumped up. And his report from the breakthrough Middle East deal was that they weren't wearing masks and they were shaking hands. So life is tough. If you're Babylon B at two, two twenty three, they posted a satire. CNN criticizes Israel Arab leaders for shaking hands in the middle of a pandemic. That was at two twenty three. At two thirty eight, Jake Tapper weighed in criticizing them for shaking hands and not wearing a mask. <laughs> Life comes at you fast. 
We're going to run out to a break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little about the color revolution that the Democrats are putting together. Stick with us. We'll be right back. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. So I started telling you months ago, near the beginning of the year, that the Democrats are trying to engineer one of the uh, the soft coups, I I guess that's not even correct. It's a a coup, an overthrow of a duly elected government by using the same template that they used in the Ukraine to overturn that uh, Yushchenko uh, government. Duly elected, but Soros and the U.S. State Department came in and engineered a coup that forced him from power. They've also done the same thing. These are so-called color revolutions that have been um, uh, pioneered all of the, all of the tactics they've got a template for it now they uh, they delegitimize elections they delegitimize law enforcement they delegitimize institutions they get radicals out in the streets to cause violence and then they force the elected government from office and i've been telling you that they're going to use that model in the uh, re-election campaign to remove donald trump in recent weeks, uh, more and more people have come to that realization and started writing uh, columns on it, especially over there at Revolver.News, a great new website that uh, you should replace in your bookmarks, replace the uh, Drudge Report link with Revolver.News. But uh, one of the editors from Revolver was on with Tucker last night and uh, really made a, the the most concise description of the Democrats' plans to engineer a color revolution right here in the United States that I've heard. Um, And he's got a a companion article to it up there at Revolver that you should also read. Here's that spot from Tucker. Someone who's been watching all of this is Darren Beatty. He's a former speechwriter for President Trump. He works now with Revolver News, the website. He says this is part of a familiar plan. In a, in a recent piece, Revolver argued that Democratic operatives, including some who testified during the impeachment proceedings, are adopting the same tactics that U.S. intel agencies use to start so-called color revolutions in places like Ukraine. Darren Beatty joins us tonight to explain. Darren, thanks so much for coming. This is where it gets good. On. So for our viewers who are not familiar with the color revolutions in Eastern Europe, State as clearly as you can what you think is going on right now in this election. What's the end game for Democrats? Yes, thank you for having me. Uh, Many have described the actions taken against Trump as a coup. And this is certainly correct, but it's a little bit general and vague. What's unfolding before our eyes is a very specific type of coup called the color revolution. It's a regime change model favored by many in our national security apparatus, particularly against Eastern European countries to overthrow target regimes that they don't like. 
One model, which is not the color revolution model, is purely sending a bunch of troops into a country and removing by military force a leader you don't like. That's like the Iraq model. Right. The color revolution model is a little bit more delicate and subtle. It has several characteristics, but the chief characteristics of it is a combination of an engineered contested elections scenario combined with massive mobilized protests, which they call as a term of art, peaceful protests and acts of civil disobedience. If that sounds familiar, it gets even better. It's not only the same strategies and tactics used against Trump that is used against Eastern European dictators that our national security apparatus doesn't like. It's literally the same people who are color revolution professionals who have a long history of using these same tactics against foreign leaders they don't like to use against democratically elected President Donald Trump. It's the same people using the very same playbook. Now, I'd like to talk about one of the key figures in this operation, a nexus point not only between color revolutions overseas and the color revolution against Trump, but a nexus point between lawfare and mass mobilization and so-called peaceful protests. This is a man by the name of Norm Eisen. Norm Eisen is a key legal hatchet man, Democrat operative, former Obama ethics czar, believe it or not. And he is also a key architect of nearly every effort to censor, sue, impeach, and overthrow the president. He is the author of, in fact, a color revolution playbook, literally called the playbook. And one of the items he calls for in his playbook to overthrow regimes overseas he doesn't like is engineering election fraud scenarios, using election fraud to engineer mass protests to question the legitimacy of the target leader. Norm Eisen has a long and checkered history going all the way back to his days at Crew, which is a lawfare arm. He's been behind over 180 lawsuits against Trump. He authored 10 articles of impeachment before the president's phone call was even made. He was special counsel to the Democrats for the impeachment process. He was literally involved in Every aspect of this color revolution against Trump. His latest act, and perhaps his greatest act coming up, is to use lawfare in order to overturn the 2020 election using various legal theories, principally yeah. his theory about. Nor Norm Eisen. Remember the name. I'm sorry, Darren, we're out of time. I, I mean, it's a shame that uh, Tucker had him on near the end of the show because this guy could have gone on and explained to the viewers, and T Tucker has a huge, huge audience, exactly what is going on. I've been sounding the alarm on these color revolutions, and uh, they're, they're, um, they have perfected this strategy. One big part of the strategy, in addition to delegitimizing elections and uh, and mass street protests is also the control of information. And uh, uh, the Democrats have 95% of the mainstream media. They can spin the narrative to fit their objective of removing Trump. 
And more and more, we have uh, sort of like the frog in the pot gotten used to the fact that these tech titans in Silicon Valley that control the social media platforms are removing dissonant voices that, uh, that don't line up with the left-wing narrative. And we're going to be joined uh, by Alan Bakari in the second half of today's show to talk about his new novel, or his new book, I should say, Hashtag Delete where he, uh, he, he talks about the, the control over uh, the flow of information. But I'm hoping that in the Trump White House, they are preparing for this and coming up with counter strategies. Another big part of this uh, color revolution is trying to pry away military support for the legitimate government. And if you've seen that going on for... Well, for all of Trump's um, presidency, but especially now with this Atlantic article that claims that Donald Trump disparaged the um, war dead from World War II, they are, uh, and, and you got the Democrat nominee saying that he's so proud of the Joint Chiefs of Staff that they're going to march in there and remove Donald Trump from the Oval Office. This is. I started to say it's unheard of, but there was uh, there were, were schemes and, and uh, attempted coups like this of Abraham Lincoln. But this is a really uncharted territory for the United States. This is true banana republic stuff that the Democrats are going to try to put on us. It, it, it actually kind of feels like a South American type coup. And that's largely because the Democrats have in mind for America the same sort of socialist um, promises that lulled uh, people in um, Nicaragua and Venezuela and Cuba into believing uh, in, in these coups. Rasmussen, who is one of the most accurate pollers, are now showing that Donald Trump's approval rating is uh, over 50%. Took an interesting poll um, and found out that people who live in cities that have suffered these Black Lives Matter Antifa riots don't approve of them. (laughs) Well, that's not surprising, but... They're turning into Donald Trump voters in record numbers. And this is, uh, these are voters, you know, that are from the upper Midwest cities of Minneapolis and Milwaukee and also the Pacific Northwest, Seattle and Portland. The reason Republicans lose those states are because of the concentration of Democrat voters in these cities where the, uh, the Democrats shock troops have been rioting, burning looting and assaulting people. And the question comes, I, I mean, I think I'm pretty confident that he's going to, it's going to push him Trump. That is over the top in Wisconsin and uh, Minnesota. I think Trump's going to win Michigan just on the um, economic issues, but, but, Could he possibly turn the tide in Oregon and Washington? I know you're going to say, well, there's no way 
Those are solid blue states. They're not going to vote for Donald Trump. Well, if you're one of these uh, hipsters, a law-abiding hipster, sitting in your loft in Seattle or Portland, and you've got riots going on in your streets, and you're afraid to go outside, and you can't go to work, you've got these mentally ill lunatics in the streets burning and looting, and you've got one party that supports that and another party that's promising to restore order. There's a lot, a lot of boats there that fit that description. And I don't think it's beyond the realm of possibility that this turns into a landslide wave for Donald Trump in November. We've got to run out to a break. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Alan Bakari to talk about his new book, Deleted, on social media censorship. Right after these messages, I'm right now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo 5 Radio Network. Stick with us. Whether you host a nightly dinner party for two or five, keeping your eating and dining area clean helps keep your mind on the dinner party and not on the cleanup afterwards. Viva paper towels clean like cloth, trapping splatters and sauces that could become countertop stains or stuck on messes. And they're two times more durable when wet compared to the leading value brand. For an exceptional cloth like paper towel, there's Viva. Visit vivatowels.com to soak up the clean feeling of home. And you're back on Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo Five O Radio Network. Your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an American nationalist perspective. Yes, it's not completely smooth. It goes up and down. And I think history teaches us that there are periods of populism, of, of nationalism, that rise up. And we, that's all the reason we need to be in the arena. That's why we have to work so hard to make sure it doesn't turn into a world war or something catastrophic, but instead is a blip, is a hiccup. Well, that was Google Vice President Kent Walker promising to make the America First movement and a populism a blip after the 2016 election. And now our worst fears are being realized as big tech has mobilized their control of the flow of information to achieve their left-wing globalist agenda. And they're using their monopoly on search, video, and social media to interfere in this election. Of course, their goal is to defeat Trump, but maybe even more chillingly, to crush the America First movement. To discuss this, we're joined now by Alan Bakari. He's senior technology correspondent for Breitbart News and author of the upcoming book, Hashtag Deleted. Big Tech's battle to erase the Trump movement and steal the election. You can pre-order the book now on Amazon. Alum's name is spelled A-L-L-U-M-B-O-K-H-A-R-I. Alum, thanks for joining us. Hi, great to be on. Um, yeah, that, that clip you just played uh, was from a, one of Google's top executives, and it was recorded just a few days after the 2016 election. Um, and uh, we released the whole thing, the whole uh, one-hour recording of Google executives reacting to their 2016 election back in 2018, and they're just uniformly anti-Trump, uh, dismayed at the election result, and plotting ways to uh, bring down his movement. Oh, they had and, all their Googlers sitting in the audience with their funny little beanie hats, and they were crying and bawling and demanded to know what the executives were going to do to keep this from happening again. 
Yeah, and other big other big moments from that uh, from that uh, video. One where uh, Sergey Brin, the co-founder of Google, talks about compares Trump voters to extremists, saying they had the similar motivations to fascists and communists. And he talks about how uh, Google's uh, anti-extremism project Jigsaw might be used to to tackle this sort of new form of extremism. So you know they're, they're openly, and you know you'll see also Sundar Pichai, who's now CEO of Alphabet, which is the company that controls Google and YouTube and all these platforms, talking about how to educate low-information voters. Uh, so it, it was it was it was partly a funeral for America. They they were dismayed at the result, but also pl- partly a planning session on what to do about what to do about the election result. Well, this is uh, the Antifa rhetoric. Uh, they accuse anybody that disagrees with them of uh, sowing violence and uh, and being a Nazi. And of course, if that's the case, then they're uh, entitled to do anything they want up to to and including violence to uh, silence anybody that disagrees with them. And in that clip, Kent Walker actually says they're going to do this. They're going to make populism and nationalism a blip to prevent a world war as if the people that have been disenfranchised by globalism and these ridiculous trade deals and, you know, in the heart of America, voting their own economic interest is going to start a world war. And so he's promising now to bring down the uh, the the heavy boot of censorship on any uh, dissenting views. And that's exactly what they've done now. Tell us what's happening to the traffic at Breitbart. Yeah, so we've seen how they've implemented their agenda over the past four years. They've used the vast technological might of Google, which controls you know over 90% of the search market. It's the only search engine people tend to use, apart from a few exceptions. Uh, and since, the, 20, since uh, the inauguration of Donald Trump, uh, Breitbart, the, the visibility on Google for Breitbart links is down 99.7%. Uh, you, do, you, you heard that correctly, 99.7%. They've completely wiped out the visibility of Breitbart links from Google search results. Uh, you're soaring in 2016 now. It's a tiny, tiny fraction, 0.3% of what it was. Well, people wonder why the Drudge Report has gone anti-Trump. And uh, my theory is it's because uh, he saw this coming and didn't want his site crushed by this tech censorship. And so he got back on the right side of the uh, the, uh, the tech titans in Silicon Valley. I've, I'm a content creator, and uh, I've, I've been uh, censored, but I was surprised. I mean, it was like clockwork on uh, on Facebook and uh, and and YouTube. As soon as I reached the exact same threshold, it almost zeroed out the very next day. But I'm surprised to learn that uh, a, a site as well known and popular that they would have the um, uh, the uh, nerve, or you know, the uh, not thinking anything up trying to crush a site as popular as as Breitbart. So the mask is off now, and uh, where do you think uh, this is leading? Do you think we can overcome this level of censorship? Well, one of the reasons why I think they're doing it is that they're, they're staking everything on a Biden win. And uh, one of the interesting things we also, uh, we've also seen with our search traffic is that uh, after their most recent update to their search algorithm in May, a couple of months ago, uh, Breitbart, traffic to Breitbart from searches related to Biden and Joe Biden just went to zero. They flatlined. 
they they were you know they were doing all right they were going up and down before that and then suddenly just zoom straight down to zero and changes like that don't happen organically they don't happen naturally like you know we saw it was all like a like a, a heartbeat that suddenly flatlines so it went up and down up and down up and down and then nothing that it was like someone flipped a switch so i think what they're hoping is that biden wins the next election and they'll be protected and in fact uh encouraged to censor the right even more and there's every reason uh, to believe that will be the case indeed i mean these companies have enormous power to manipulate us and uh they're a threat unlike any republican candidates faced before much more threatening than i think the mainstream media bias well, if you're inclined to believe that this was really about creating a safe space and uh, and the so-called you know safety agenda of these tech titans, you only need to look at their pages on uh, on Facebook and Twitter and and YouTube, and you will find scores and scores of uh, Antifa pages where they're talking about organizing and uh, and we've seen you know exactly what they are organizing in these cities uh, in the Pacific Northwest. So it's really not about, you know, violence or hate. What it's all about is uh, uh, cracking down on dissenting views to their left-wing agenda. So I guess I'd ask you again, do we have a, a strategy or hope for overcoming this? Can we force uh, these platforms to be, uh, you know, neutral platforms and abide by uh, Section 203 or how do we overcome this? Well, it, it's going to be a long process. I'm not even sure that the bias can be overcome ahead of the next election. Certainly, it will, uh, you know, the thing we can do now is keep talking about it, keep pressuring Republican lawmakers, especially. Um, it's, it's a real problem in the Republican Party, actually, with uh, Republican politicians taking money from Google, from Facebook, uh, so-called conservative think tanks taking money. So the first thing the base needs to do is pressure its own Republican representatives to stop taking money from big tech. It needs to be as unacceptable, I think, as taking money from Planned Parenthood or, you know, or to the left, you know, taking money from oil companies is unacceptable. That's the attitude you need to have with these tech companies. Any uh, any cozying up to them by Republican senators or congressmen needs to be uh, completely called out and exposed. Um, and actually, uh, I was reviewing Jim jo- uh, Jim Jordan's uh, filings today. It looks like he's taken ten thousand dollars from Google. I don't think that's acceptable at all, especially as he's um, uh, directing Republicans in their questioning of the tech CEOs today. So the the first thing to do is to take back control of the Republican Party. And the second thing to do is just get out there and <clears throat> try and help Donald Trump win in the in the next election because he's one of the only people who's been uh, holding the tech companies' feet to the fire with his executive order and uh, and other actions. Well, one thing I know about politicians is their first and primary uh, motivation is to be reelected, and uh, Democrat and Republican. And if these uh, these Republicans step out of the herd and go directly at these tech companies like uh, Josh Hawley and and a handful of others have done, then uh, those tech companies will, in fact, target them and and try to take them out as well. I think we saw some of that in the 2016 election with the collapse of Republican representatives in California. 
Absolutely, and uh, it, it's certainly a big predicament for Republicans. Uh, it, it amazes me, you know, when, when Republicans controlled the House, uh, the House of Representatives and the Senate and the White House, they didn't do anything about the problem. That they didn't institute Section 230 reforms, for example. Uh, they didn't impose even you know, basic transparency requirements on these companies, even though there, there's. There's never been in human history entities that have the amount of power over our political discourse and the power to manipulate people on a mass scale that these tech companies have. It's an existential threat to freedom of speech and to democracy. Well, the really chilling thing about this, uh, as far as American elections goes, is, you know, these companies are based in America, but they're, they've long since passed being American companies. These are multinational globalist corporations who are pursuing that agenda. And if, the legitimate concerns of of the people, you know, to have a, a, a government that represents their own interests are at the mercy of these tech titans who, who have an entirely different agenda. Then you talk about a, a recipe for uh, actual civil unrest and and um, I don't want to use any uh, hy- hy- hyperbolic uh, rhetoric here, but. They could, in fact, sow the uh, the discord and and the uh, the the breakdown of of uh, civil society that they're claiming to oppose. Absolutely, when you suppress people too long, they uh, they will rise up. Uh, censorship is incredibly dangerous in that regard. It works for a short while, but it's, it certainly doesn't work forever. And uh, American people, I think, especially, are highly resistant to, to having their speech controlled. Uh, to being manipulated by unaccountable corporate actors. I mean, back in the uh, back at the turn of the twenty, the turn of the nineteenth and twentieth centuries, we thought that railroad companies were a big enough problem and had grown to such a size that, um, and oil companies had grown to such a size that they were posed a threat to democracy. I think these tech companies, just by the nature of what they do, uh, not just because of their size, are. Uh, several times more threatening they don't just control they're not just big in terms of their financial power and their market power it's their technological control over all of our information that's a problem yeah it was ted kennedy that came in and busted up the trust and uh, restored some balance to the american economy that uh, prevented you know monopolies from controlling uh, entire key industries and it looks like that would be a, a good template for the modern Republican Party to use as well when it comes to the flow of information. I've got a clip here. I got this uh, off of your site, Breitbart, this morning. This is a fellow named Dr. Robert Epstein, who has uh, studied this and and uh, learned what, in fact, how to quantify the power of Google to sway elections. Uh, sure. It's been, uh, been well, I, I got interested in Google in 2012 started looking at them a little more critically, not just as a fun toy. Uh, started doing some serious experiments in early 2013. Uh, those were on the power of search results to shift people's opinions and beliefs, attitudes, purchases, and votes without their knowing. And eventually I called that phenomenon SEME, S-E-M-E, Search Engine Manipulation Effect, and that's just led to more and more and more discoveries about uh, new forms of influence the Internet has made possible, uh, almost all of which are entirely in the hands of two big monopolies, Google and Facebook. Uh, and I, 
I've had, you know, I studied them. I've quantified them. I put names on them. Well, he goes on to say that uh, they're able to change nine out of ten uh, users on their platform. So, as uh, as we become more and more reliant on, you know, online search and online uh, social media platforms, the the threat becomes greater and greater to the form that George Orwell could only have imagined in his book, 1984. Uh, do you think that there's any way that uh, we could uh, put together some sort of campaign to try to convince people to abandon these platforms, uh, go to DuckDuckGo or, uh, or Parler or other, other alternative forms of technology? It, it certainly wouldn't hurt. The problem with campaigns like that is that the people most likely to get on board are going to be conservatives, people who are less likely anyway to be manipulated by these uh, technologies. The problem really is those undecided voters, middle-of-the-road voters who aren't very politically engaged, uh, who don't follow these news stories and aren't aware that Google is biased. Those are the ones where you could see massive swings because not only are they being manipulated by Google, but they don't realize they're being manipulated. Most people have a general sense that, you know, the New York Times or CNN or Fox News, they have their particular political editorial slants. People don't have that impression with Google. This is what um, that researcher whose clip you just played, Dr. Epstein, always points out. People don't assume Google search to be biased. So, uh, yes, we absolutely have to spread the word, but it has to go beyond the conservative audience. It has to reach undecided votes as well. And there's a real catch-22 because the... uh, increasingly the only way to reach uh, to reach beyond uh, party lines to ordinary people is through platforms like Facebook, like Google, like YouTube. Um, so it's, it's definitely a very scary situation because you can't even uh, warn people about the bias of these companies because these companies now control access to the American public. The vehicle that you would use to warn them. So, uh, you know, in 2016, Donald Trump's uh, election was largely credited to his presence on Facebook and uh, in his his media master over there that's uh, recently been demoted as his campaign chair. Uh, Have you seen any indications on Facebook that they are, in fact, suppressing his ability to reach his voters on that platform? Well, uh, they uh, they were. Immediately after the election, there was um, I, my, you know, I talked to people inside Facebook and Google, the small minority of conservative employees who are concerned about what's going on. Uh, they have to keep their heads down. They can't really speak out against it because then they get mobbed by uh, the majority uh, far-left employees. But uh, my Facebook sources tell me, and you know, I've interviewed them for the book as well, that uh, the reaction inside Facebook after the, elect- after the 2016 election was very much the same as the reaction inside Google. There's complete panic and dismay at all levels of the company. Um, and my source also told me that uh, all of the new departments that were set up to tackle so-called fake news and misinformation and uh, oversee so-called election integrity, all the people who were most anti-Trump, they all joined those, uh, those departments. Yeah, it was, it was very interesting. They uh, attacked Trump's campaign for engaging in exactly the same sort of um, tactics that they had uh, claimed that Obama was a social media genius for employing. Only Obama had the uh, active assistance of of Facebook. Talk a little bit about your new book, Hashtag Deleted Big Tech's Battle to Erase the Trump Movement and Steal the Election. When is it out and what did you hope to accomplish by writing this book? 
Well, this this uh, book's going to be out in September on September twenty second. You can pre order it today on Amazon. That's available on Kindle, uh, hardback, and uh, and audio book. And uh, the the main thing I wanted to accomplish with this book was just warning people uh, of the level of control these companies have gained in a very short period of time over American society, um, and also to point out uh, and and. and 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 uh, in telling that story, I've you know gone gone to the people inside these companies and Twitter and Google and Facebook so they can tell that story from the inside. It's not just my personal opinion; it's the opinion of the people who work for these companies. Um, and uh, yeah, the, the, the general theme is that these companies, if they want, can swing not just American elections but almost any democratic election around the world because they're so dominant in so many markets. And there's currently no law, no regulation, no oversight preventing them doing so. We don't even it'll be hard to even find out how uh, they're, they're going to do it if they do it. It'll be very it'll be very hard to find a paper trail. And I think that everyone needs to inform themselves on the power of these companies to control our speech, to manipulate our behavior and our voting behavior, and also just the vast amount of data they collect on us and the amount of information they know about us, more than any secret, uh, more than the wildest dreams of the KGB or any of these totalitarian intelligence agencies. Uh, I do believe that these tech companies are, are the biggest threat Americans face to their liberty and their democratic rights. When you control information, you control the world. Alan Bakari, spelled A-L-L-U-M-B-O-K-H-A-R-I. New book, hashtag deleted, Big Tech's battle to erase the Trump movement and steal the election, available now for pre-order on Amazon. Alan, thanks so much for coming on. I hope you'll come back after the book is released and talk some more. Thank you. Great to be on. Thanks for the invite. Thank you. Whether you're moving in together for the first time. This can be your closet. Or you're a new parent to a little fur baby. Viva Paper Towels can help you maintain a clean home. They're two times more durable when wet compared to the leading value brand. So they clean like cloth, helping you pick up after your new pet in your new home. For an exceptional cloth-like clean, use Viva Towels. Visit vivatowels.com to learn more and start fresh with a clean feeling of home. So Black Lives Matter has a new tactic that they've added to their arsenal of terrorism. They're showing up at Trump supporters' homes in these Democrat cities and targeting them for uh, terrorist threats. They, they show up in big numbers, surround the home, start shining flashlights and lasers in the windows and chanting terroristic threats. They did this last night in Milwaukee. Uh, to a, a guy that lived in, uh, I think he's a black guy, may have been a white guy living in a, a black neighborhood. Uh, and he had a, a an American flag and a Trump flag outside of his house. And so they targeted him and they showed up and uh, started issuing threats and such. So it appears to be an older gentleman. You can just see him in the shadows in the window. He uh, He brings out what appears to be a shotgun. Again, you can only see the shadow and lets it be known that he is armed in there. And it's a perfectly reasonable response, of course, because we have seen again and again these Black Lives Matter demonstrations turn violent. And so this old man, probably scared for his life and safety, uh, let everybody know that if they came in that house, he was going to be prepared to defend himself. 
Well, what did the local Soros-funded district attorney do? Did he show up to protect the old man? Did he uh, find out who was leading these terroristic threats and arrest them? No, 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 no. He showed up at the old man's house and arrested him for brandishing a firearm, for brandishing a firearm inside his house. They arrested the man that was the target of the terroristic threats. This really reminds you of uh, that incident in St. Louis where that couple who spoke at the Republican convention, I can't remember their name, but they had their, their, um, property broken into they broke down a gate and hundreds of black lives matter protesters poured through issuing threats against the uh the couple threatening to kill them and uh, rape his wife and kill their dog of course they responded by uh by coming out uh with firearms which is perfectly reasonable and uh, once again the da soros funded da there in st louis arrested the homeowners. And these, uh, these events are being organized on, uh, on social media, Facebook in particular, black lives matter and Antifa are all over Facebook. Now, if you cross this, this line, uh, on what is uh, acceptable speech on Facebook and you're a Trump supporter, they will take you down and a heartbeat, but Antifa and black lives matter that have burned and looted and, uh, all across this country engaged in arson and assaults up to and including murder. I think we're approaching 30 people that have been killed in these protests now. Well, that's just fine with Facebook. That's okie dokie. You can do that. So I think, you know, this, uh, this is going to backfire on the Democrats. Um, you know, we had the, uh, I spoke in the first half hour about these polls conducted by Rasmussen that shows that large numbers, a majority now of people that live in these urban Democrat urban centers in the surrounding suburbs that have suffered these violent riots are going to vote for Donald Trump. And I think uh, a wave election is shaping up from this. Law and order is, is uh, you know, people will say the economy is more important, but you, you can't have an economy in the absence of law and order. And the last time we had a law, law and order election, uh, Richard Nixon won that election. I think he won every state but two or three. What happened in Minnesota last time? Minnesota was the epicenter of the George Floyd riots where they burned huge portions of that city, uh, defunded the police. The citizens are left to their own devices now. In 2016, Hillary Clinton won the state of Minnesota 46 to 44%. Actually, it's uh, more like a three-point gap because it's uh, Donald Trump got... 44.9%. So you think that these riots in Minnesota are going to uh, change 3%? If anything, Hillary Clinton was a better candidate than Joe Biden, although they are very 
reminiscent of each other, both low energy, both a long history of failure in Washington, D.C. Yeah, I think not only is Donald Trump going to take Wisconsin and Michigan again, but he's also going to add Minnesota to his his column. The bigger question is, what about Washington and Oregon that uh, have seen these riots? They are, uh, you know, the majority of the Democrat votes come out of Portland and Seattle that have been absolutely racked by Antifa violence. In Washington State, Hillary Clinton beat Donald Trump by 54 to 38% with uh, Gary Johnson, the Libertarian candidate, carrying 5% of the vote. That's a pretty big margin to turn around. I think it uh, is quite possible, though. I just can't imagine somebody sitting in a suburb of Seattle seeing what's been going on there for over 100 days voting for more of that. Let's see what happened in Oregon in 2016. Hillary Clinton got just over 50%, 50.1. Donald Trump got just under 40%, another 10-point gap that Donald Trump may be able to make up because of uh, these Black Lives Matter Antifa riots. Did you see this story out of Ohio where a, uh, a, a town called Little Miami, I suppose that's outside of uh, the town where Miami University, Ohio, is located, uh, they were having a football match on 9-11, and two of the players carried out uh, American flags. One of them was a, the Thin Blue Line American flag on 9-11. You'll recall that 343 firefighters died on 9-11. 50 police officers were killed. So this was an attempt by the, the uh, players to to honor the uh, the people killed on 9-11. They were suspended. One of the uh, kids was carrying a flag. Was, his father was a cop, and the other kid's father was a firefighter. They were both suspended. And that brought on a avalanche of protests against the school district. So they reversed course and reinstated the kids. They were actually suspended from the team. But not before the school board superintendent blamed it on the kids. Said they're not allowed to carry them political demonstrations. So now the flag is a political demonstration. Well, that takes us to the end. Thank you for joining us, and I hope you come back here tomorrow right here on Mojo 5 Talk to you then. As you make plans this season, consider convenient COVID-19 testing from Quest. Get the same test hospitals use without a doctor visit. Simply order online, select from drive through or at-home options, and get the results sent securely to your phone or computer. It's a great fit for your busy life. With over 20 million COVID-19 tests processed, you can count on Quest. So order your test today at questcovid19.com. That's questcovid19.com. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm. Good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. 
Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwans.com backslash yum for details.